All right, we are looking at, uh, so far we've looked at, uh, in our theme, God is our provider, uh, Jehovah Jireh. We saw how God provides for his people. Uh, we saw that God is our healer, Jehovah Rapha. He's the one who heals and restores. Today we're going to be looking at uh, the Lord our banner. The Lord our banner. What do all those uh, items on the board have in common? Wouldn't there be a lock, a surge protector, blanket, life jacket? What do they have in common? They all provide protection, right? Or security. Or the lock provides security, right? As well as protection. Life jacket, uh, you are anywhere in the ocean at any time, you're required uh, to have a life jacket. And, uh, and a blanket is for what? Cold weather to keep you warm so that you won't get frostbite or what, uh, whatever else you get when you get cold, right? And then the surge protector does what? What does surge protector do? Protect your equipment or your appliances from uh, when BPL turns the power off and they turn it back on and it comes on with a big surge. And if your, your items are not protected, you can burn up. And then you call BPL and then they will tell you, well, we're not responsible because your house wasn't grounded properly. So it's your baby, right? And they send the person out to test the grounding. And if your house is not grounding properly, then you have a problem. So surge protectors are very important. Uh, people get uh, problems all the time because they're not properly protected. Okay, uh, question number one, page 29. What are some things we rely on for protection other than what we saw on the board? What are some other things that we rely on for protection? Insurance. Insurance, okay. Anything security else? Security screens. Security screens or security bars. Alarm. Alarm systems. Okay. The law. Hmm? The law. The police. Okay. The law. Okay. That's if they're doing their job. Seatbelts. Seatbelts. Yes. Uh, okay. So there are some interesting things that we can rely on uh, to protect us. And uh, sometimes uh, people have to find themselves in trouble in order to get the kind of protection uh, that they need. If they're not wearing a seatbelt, they get fined a couple hundred dollars just just to force them to protect themselves. That's, a, that's amazing to me uh, that um, you have people are driving around without seatbelts and children hanging out of the windows without child restraint seats. It's amazing. Okay, let's look at uh, Bible Meets Life on page 30. Bible meets life. <coughs> Someone read that, please. The United States flag represents a lot of things to its citizens. Freedom, democracy, justice, and parole. Seeing the flag unfurled, it inspires a feeling of patriotism for many of us. Also, many who have served in the military or who have lost a family member in war, the flag reminds them of courage and sacrifice. For American citizens abroad needing assistance, the American flag also represents protection. When an American citizen steps into the grounds of the U.S. Embassy, the stars and stripes remind them that they are now under the protection of the United States. We face times when life throws us 
such a curve that we can feel alone and exposed, even when we are surrounded by others. In those moments, we feel vulnerable and under attack. In one moment of Israel's history, they are too vulnerable and under attack. But God himself shows that he was on their side. He was their banner, standing over them with their sovereign protection. We are not alone. We stand under another flag, the banner of protection, God himself. He stands over every issue we face. God covers us with his protection. Okay, and so what is the point of our lesson today? We are always covered by God's protection. Is there any time we're not covered? Always. It says always, right? We're always prote uh, protected. But sometimes we don't feel that way all the time, do we? No. Uh, because we forget that God promises that he will be our protector at all times. And there's never a moment that God misses a beat in terms of protecting his people. God is never distracted no matter what is going on in the world around us. And the devil is working really hard uh, to be a distraction to God and his people, but God is never distracted. Okay, let's look at the first passage we have. Is it, uh, Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 to 10, on page 31. Someone read that, please. Amalek came and fought against Israel. Moses said to Joshua, Select some men for us and go fight against the Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the hilltop with God's staff in my hand. Joshua did as Moses had told him and fought against Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up the top of the hill. The Israelites were now camped at Rephidim, and again the people had no water to drink. Unfortunately, the people responded in their usual way, they grumbled. Although they were testing God, the Lord provided water by instructing Moses to strike the rock with the staff. As when the people had complained about an earlier water problem, God miraculously provided this time to the Israelites were about to face a new and perhaps greater challenge to their faith. Thirst was the least of their worries because the Amalites confronted them at Rapidim. The Israelites and the Amalites, Amalites had been enemies of generations. The Amalites were the descendants of Amalite, a grandson of Esau. Even though they were direct descendants of Isaac, they became enemies of Israel. A threat to their spiritual and national life. Forty years after the events of Exodus 17, Moses still described the Amalekites as people who did not fear God. It was obvious how Amalekites viewed God because they attacked his people all along the way after they left Egypt. Clearly, however, God was with the Israelites. He had performed miracle after miracle in his work of delivering the people from slavery. God's hand was on the Israelites, but the Amalekites didn't care. They still attacked. Thankfully, we are not left on our own struggling 
on our own in our struggles and battles. As we see in the next few verses, the Israelites were not alone, and neither are we. Okay, we have a, a couple of verses there. Um, in the first paragraph, the Israelites are now camped at Rephidim, and again, the people had no, no water to drink. Uh, Exodus chapter 17 and verse 1 uh, says, The Lord commanded, well, what does it say? Lord's, at the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of sin and moved from place to place. Eventually, they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water there for the people to drink. And of course, we know what resulted from that, right? Unfortunately, people responded in the, their usual way. And what was their usual way? Complaining. Rumbling and complaining. Do you know anybody like that? Yes. <laughs> Rather than find a solution, we grumble and complain, right? Although they were testing God, the Lord provided water by instructing Moses to strike the rock with his staff. And when the people would complain about earlier water, and when the people had complained about the early water uh, problem, uh, we see uh, another verse, a few verses in Exodus chapter 15. Uh, God miraculously provided this time as well. Let's look at those verses. Um, this is a passage that talks about the bitter water being made sweet. Exodus 15, 22 uh, to 27. When Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea and they moved out into the desert of Shur, they traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. When they came to the oasis Mara, the water was too bitter to drink. So they called the, the place Mara, which means bitter. Then people complained and turned against Moses. What were they famous for? Complaining, right? They complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water. This made the water good to drink. It was there at Marah that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. He said, if you would listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will, make you, I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians. For I, you think that would have been good enough, right? Do you think that would have been frightening enough for them to really get their act together? For I am the Lord who heals you. After leaving Mara, the Israelites traveled on to the oasis of Elam, where they found 12 springs and 70 palms, and they camped there beside the river or beside the water. Okay, let's look at the second question we have. What daily challenges can make us feel like we're in a battle? Financial. Financial, okay. That's a big one, right? Yeah. <laughs> what Tra traffic. <laughs> traffic. Okay. It depends on where you go, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Traffic is bad all over the place, but in some places it's worse. Uh, what else? Health. Hmm? Health. Health. Okay, that's a big one too. Health issues. Makes you feel like you're fighting a battle that you cannot win. 
Uh, what else? In your mind too, sometimes you're struggling. You have a battle going on in there. A psychological. Okay, it's in the mind. All right? Psychological battles. What's your typical reaction when you feel under attack? The typical reaction when you feel like you're under attack. What do you do? <laughs> Try to go home and just be by yourself, maybe. Okay, you isolation? Isolation? Okay, some people choose isolation. Leave me alone. I want to be by myself. Don't bother me. Sometimes you call someone on the phone. Okay, call someone on the phone. Okay, you need to talk to somebody about this. All right. Depression. All right. Uh, some people throw a great big pity party. Be sorry for themselves. And then some people panic. Okay, so we have a number of challenges. In the next verses, we'll see how, to, how we prevail in spiritual battles because of God's presence and power in our lives. <coughs> so let's look at uh, Exodus 17, 11 to 13. Someone read those verses, please. While Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. But whenever he put his hand down, Amalek prevailed. When Moses' hands grew heavy, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat down on it. Then Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until the sun went down. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his army with the sword. Okay, let's continue. <coughs> the battle plan to defeat the Amalekites may seem a bit unorthodox, but it was certainly effective. Moses commissioned Joshua to select men to join him in battle as they confronted the enemy. While Joshua was leading the troops, Moses, Aaron, and Hur stood on the top of a nearby hill. Moses had God's staff in his hand. Nothing indicates any fear or confusion which might have been expected among the Israelites as they faced Amalek. These were wandering people, ill-equipped for battle. Yet, as long as Moses held up the staff of his, the staff, Israel prevailed. But when his arms grew tired and he let his hand down, Amalek had the upper hand. Ultimately, Aaron and Hur supported Moses' hands so that his hands remained steady until the sun went down. As a result, Joshua defeated Amalek and his army with the sword. What made the difference? It was not simply Moses' visible presence and dramatic posture on the hilltop with his hand in the air that inspired confidence in his troops. It was that he was holding up God's staff. Though this staff was likely nothing more than a shepherd's staff, God used it as an object lesson to show all Israel his power to accomplish his work. This staff became a visible sign that God was with Moses. This simple staff became the staff of God that Moses used to bring various plagues, part the Red Sea, and strike the rock to provide water for the thirsty Israelites. Okay, let's look at those two passages, uh, verses we have there. Um, chapter 14, verses 15, 16, and 17, 5, and 6. Those are Exodus. Uh, 14, 
verses 15 and 16. Anyone have that? The Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to break camp. As for you, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Okay. So God says to the people, shut up, stop. Why are you crying to me? Get moving. Get going. Okay, God is a no-nonsense person. Okay, uh, verses uh, 5 and 6, chapter 17. Anyone have that? Okay, then the Lord said to Moses, Walk out in front of the people. Take your staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile, and <coughs> call some of the leaders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai. Strike the rock, and water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told, and water gushed out as the elders looked on. Okay, continue our reading, Sister Beth, on page 34. The staff in Moses' hand was an ordinary implement any shepherd would carry. It had nothing magical about it and no inherent power in it. It was simply a sign of God's presence and power to accomplish his work among his people. <coughs> Israel prevailed in battle when Moses' hand lifted up the presence of God for all to see. We also prevail in our spiritual battles when God's presence and power are in our lives. It is critical to note that before we put on the spiritual armor in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, we are given clear instruction about the source of our strength. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength in verse 10. We must never underestimate the craft and cunning of our spiritual adversary, nor overestimate our own strength. We cannot win spiritual battles in our own strength. We can walk in victory over sin only when we stand under God's banner of protection and put on the spiritual armor he has provided. Okay, that's a mouthful there. Mm -hmm. But let's look at some main points. Uh, in those passages uh, to highlight. Uh, the first one is the battle plan to defeat the Malachites may seem a bit unorthodox, but it was certainly effective. It's a plan that not many people would think of, but it was effective from God's perspective. And God always knows best, doesn't he? Yes. He always knows best. Sometimes we look at a plan and we think, boy, you know, I could have done it differently. You realize that that's what God Lucifer booted out of heaven. He says, I want to be like God. I want to do this. I want to do that. Because even though he was closer to God than all of the other angelic beings, God and the holiness uh, of God, he looked at it and he said, boy, you know, I could do it a little better. I wouldn't do it like that. I'll do it this way. You know, and uh, most of the times when there is a coup, the person who leads the coup is who? The general. The general, right. The person who's closest to the leader. All right. And so sometimes we look at, well, God is doing things and we say, well, you know, I wouldn't really do it that way. 
Uh, but God knows best. And his plan is always the right plan. And then the second point we notice, while Joshua was leading the troops, Moses, Aaron, and Hur stood on top of a nearby hill. Moses had God's staff in his hand. So God gave uh, Moses backup, right? These three men had Moses' back. God provided what he needed. And then the third point we, we notice, as long as Moses held up the staff, Israel prevailed. What do you think uh, is the significance of that? Anybody? What was the staff? We had some mention about the staff, right? It's a power of the staff. It was how God used the staff. Uh, what did he use the staff for? What did the staff was significant in, in accomplishing? Then Moses entered the Pharaoh's. The Lord told him to put the staff on the ground. Mm-hmm. The staff turned to a round snake. I didn't ask for that. He said, the snake, I have the right to say a rat's head. So therefore... A snake is a snake, right? So therefore, not only that, he used the rod even in in the river with the water. So the staff really has many Significance. What is the question you asked? Okay, what is the significance of the star? It represents God's power. Yeah, it represents God's, the symbol of God's power. God used it uh, to show his power. Okay, the other point is uh, ultimately Aaron and her supported Moses' hands, so his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. That's a long time to hold your arm up, right? Uh, But um, God provided uh, the help that he needed. Question number three. How can we maintain our reliance on God's power when the battle is long, or we might add long and drawn out? Stay Stay focused. Stay focused, okay. Stay in the word. Okay. All right. So we stay focused. We stay in the word. Focus on what or on who? Okay, we focus on the one who gives us the enablement, the power uh, to be able to go forward. Right. So uh, another personal question here: Who is the who plays the power, the role of her, uh, Aaron, and her in your life <coughs> when you're going through a battle and uh, long drawn out battle? Who who plays the role of her, Aaron, and her in your life. Anyone in particular? Yeah. Moses had Aaron and her. Now, Who got your back? Now, Ample Sam would be. Okay, Ample Sam, okay. Anybody else have someone else? Hmm? Family members. Family members, okay. Anybody else? And, and sisters and brothers in Christ. Yeah. And especially, might be someone who's gone through another time similar to yours and you've shared that with them because you know they've come out on the other side and they have a heart and they'll remember to pray for you because they've been through it and they they will they'll pray with passion and, and earnestness <coughs> for you okay very good and so the significance is that you don't go it alone right right that's right. the significance moses at aaron and her 
we have others as well who support us. Uh, even though God provided the power, uh, they also had uh, support behind them. And so in order for Moses uh, to continue holding up the staff, Aaron and her placed a large stone. See, even, even Aaron and her didn't have the strength to hold that, to hold up his arms that long. And so they, they provided a stone so Moses could sit on it to provide additional support for Moses, the support Moses needed. Aaron and her stood on one side, on, on either side of Moses, to help support his arms as he held up the staff. Finally, the army was overcome uh, uh, by Israel. Okay, last passage we have, uh, verses 14 to 16. Let's have someone read that, please. The Lord then said to Moses, Write this down on a scroll as a reminder and recite it to Joshua. I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek under heaven. And Moses built an altar and named it, The Lord is my banner. He said, Indeed, my hand is lifted up toward the Lord's throne. The Lord will be as war with Amalek, Amalek from generation to generation. <coughs> okay, we continue. Go. Yeah. Okay. After the victory, God first command, God's first command was for Moses to write and recite to Joshua his declaration. I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek under heaven. The Israelites would have other encounters with Amalek Amalekites, <laughs> take your time, slow down. Whose atrocities were such that God later commanded King Saul to completely annihilate them. Unfortunately, Saul was disobedient. Okay, let's look at that passage where Saul was disobedient. First Samuel 15, 2 to 9. Anybody have it? Okay, I'll read. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation. Notice how specific God is. Just in case they didn't get the message clearly. He says, men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. Now, you couldn't be more clever than that, right? Yeah. Everything. He says that the entire nation. <laughs> and he said, annihilate. Annihilate. Wipe them out. Okay, so, verse 4. So Saul mobilized his army at Telaim. Uh, there were 200,000 soldiers from Israel and 10,000 men from Judah. Then Saul and his army went to the town of the Amalekites, lay in wait in the valley. Saul sent this warning to the Kenites. Move away from where the Amalekites live, or you will die with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up from Egypt. So the Kenites packed up and left. Smart people. Then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, 
but completely destroyed everyone else. So Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of sheep, goats, cattle, the fat calves, the lambs, everything in fact that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. Now we know what happened there, right? All right, continue reading. The Amalekites were not completely defeated until the 8th century BC in the days of Hezekiah. Okay, we have another verse there, right? That's First uh, Chronicles 4:41-43. Beth Machabeth, Hazar, Sisum, Beth Biri, and Sharim. These towns were under their control until the time of King David. Their descendants also lived in Etam, Ain, Rimon, Tokan, and Ashen, five towns, and there are surrounding villages as far away as Balath. This was their territory, and these names are listed in their genealogical records. Okay, that's some history there for us. Okay, let's read on. In response to God's word, Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. God has shown Israel yet another aspect of his character. Israel had already discovered that God was their healer, Jehovah Rapha. Now they understood he was also their banner of protection, Jehovah Nasi. Nisi. Nisi. The staff or banner in Moses' hand was a visible image of the protection and the power of God who provided the victory over Amalekai. Amalek. The Israelites were to understand that their victory was because God was a banner over them. He was their protection. One of the most famous banners in the Old Testament also appeared while the Israelites were in the wilderness. Once again, the people grumbled about the lack of bread and water. Then the Lord sent poisonous snakes among them, among the people, and they bit many of them so that they died. <laughs> Numbers 21, 5 to 6. They confessed to Moses that their, to Moses their sin against the Lord, and he interceded for them before God. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a snake image and mount it on a pole. Then anyone who is bitten, then when anyone who is bitten looks at it, he will recover. So Moses made a bronze snake and mounted it on a pole. Numbers twenty-one eight to nine. Jesus referred to the banner in his conversation with Nicodemus about Nicodemus. About the need to be born again to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus told him, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the man of God must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. John three fourteen to 15. Jesus is our banner who provides for forgiveness of sins and eternal life. He covers us with his protection and victory. Okay. So a couple of paragraphs there we want to um, single out. Uh, um, uh, in response to God's work, Moses built an altar and called it the Lord is my banner. God had shown Israel yet another aspect of his character. 
Israel had already discovered that God was their healer. God was the one that they could go to for healing, Jehovah Rapha. Now they understood that he was also their banner of protection, Jehovah Nisi. Make sure you remember these names now, okay? Jehovah Nisi is who? Protection. Our banner, protection. All right, Jehovah Rapha is who? Healer. Uh, healer. Jehovah Jireh is who? Provider. Right, so keep those names in mind. The staff or banner in Moses' hand was visible, was a visible image of the protection and power of God. So there we have a, 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 a unique significance of that staff. Remember we asked what was the significance of the staff? Here it is. The staff was a significant uh, image, a visible image of God's protection and power and the power of God who provided the victory over Amalek. Israelites were to understand that their victory was because God was a banner over them. He was their protection. That's something we need to remember. Whenever we succeed at anything, uh, we need to remember that God is the banner over us who provide that success, that protection, uh, whatever we accomplish. Uh, unlike uh, the ten lepers who were healed, they got healed and everybody went off rejoicing and carrying on and only one returned to give thanks. Uh, that one realized the significance of who healed him. Uh, what is the symbol that is seen today uh, with regards to this fiery serpent on a pole? Where do we see that symbol today? Yeah, where do we see it? We see it in the medical field, right? Medicine. Yeah, and mostly you, you look at an ambulance and you'd see a image with a serpent wrapped around a pole, right? Uh, so we see that today, and that's a constant reminder. Uh, I guess God would have orchestrated it that way, all right, so that we can realize the significance of that serpent on a pole in the wilderness. Children of Israel looked at it and they were healed. And it's interesting that that symbol is used today. Question number four. What does God's banner of protection look like in your life? Personal one now. What does God's banner of protection look like in your life? Anybody? Well, mine looks pretty good because I've been here a long time. <laughs> <laughs> good. Very good. Anybody else? <laughs> What, what, when you're is, driving on the roads and you almost get hit. Okay. Protection. <laughs> protection. Yeah, you realize God's protection, right? Uh, someone was talking the other day and they were saying that whenever you struck on a traffic light and your light turns green, don't move right away. Yes. 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 You know why, right? Yes. Because somebody is going to run the light. Okay. Um, <coughs> question number five. How can our actions and attitudes demonstrate that we follow the God who protects? He said, hmm? we serve. We serve the God who protects. Okay. Oh, we serve the God who protects. Okay. Uh, so how do we answer that question? How can our actions and attitudes demonstrate? Our reactions to problems and trials 
Okay. Uh, um, what yeah, do we do uh, when we... Peace will look. Hmm? Yes. We have a peaceful look on you. Okay. We have a peaceful look. Yeah, in the midst of everything, you have that peace. Right. Remember I told you the story about the lady in Park of the Palms, Florida? Uh, <laughs> we were there one time doing some work on, on, on some buildings, and, uh, and there was a fire. Uh, the ha house is on fire. And um, we went over there, and uh, nobody could tell that the house belonged to this woman because she was just standing up there with her arms folded like everybody else looking. <laughs> Until people realized, well, whose house is that? Oh, that's her house. And she didn't look like she ever cared in the world. You know, uh, the smoke, well, the, the, the house was in our fire, the car in a garage. She had a carport, and there was smoke coming from under the hood of the car. And of course, the garage is attached to the house, so we know if that continued, what would be next? And so uh, our, our actions, we demonstrate that we have a total trust and protection, uh, trust in God, that God's got this covered. You know, God's protecting. Uh, God's got it covered. Okay, let's see how we can flesh this out now. Page 36. How do we take this out of these four walls and put this lesson into practice, into action? How will the truth uh, that Jesus is our bound to make a difference in your life? Consider these suggestions. Trust. Have you accepted Jesus as your banner of forgiveness? If not, commit your life to him and trust him for salvation. Okay, very important step. And then pray. Specifically pray for individuals this week to experience the presence and protection of Christ in their lives. Pray also that these people would be keenly aware Christ is the one who goes with them. And then thirdly, be bold. If you're facing a difficult relationship or assignment from God, step out in trust because Christ goes with you. Rest confidently in his presence and protection. And finally, as awesome as it is to look up at the flag of the great country in which you live, there's something even better when you trust in Christ. You can live a victorious Christian life as you stand under Jehovah Nisi, God our banner. Amen? Yes.